Welcome to the Butts Disease Podcast, where we inspect the imminent extinction of WCW. Every time you say that, it sounds weird. Like, we've been workshopping this, but it's like, it's, a, it's wordy. I like it. It's wordy. But today we're talking about Spring Stampede 2000, the last Spring Stampede ever. <laughs> Can I get a yeehaw? Weirdly, no. It's not a very Western-themed episode. I think that does damage this show a little bit. There is no theme. Like, the theme is the name, and that's not a theme. Well, last year it, had a, it did actually have the whole Western theme, and they really just abandoned that this year. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen a cow or a bull. If they even did the Nitro Girls doing a bull riding contest, I'd have been like, fuck you, but yeah, okay. No. Well, I'm Nick alongside Emily. Hello. Emily, how you doing today? You know, thriving. Yeah? No. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, we did watch this show twice. You seemed more resigned after the first time. I think I was just in a worse headspace. I don't know, because I didn't hate the show as much on the second watch through. Yeah, I was. I think I grew more neutral to it. Fair. I I switched my opinions on some matches. Oh wow! What I said before was good. In retrospect, I hated. <laughs> Tell me, this is our first episode of 2024. Happy New Year! And with the new year comes uh, a lot of new content. And a special uh, Patreon announcement that will be revealed at the end of the show. Mystery, intrigue. Don't just fast forward to the end of the show just to hear the announcement. Listen to the whole show. Slash will probably also tweet about it. We probably already have. (laughs) So I will say that we did check out a bit of the thunder before this. I don't know that it helped. Well, I paid closer attention than you did because you didn't realize that it was like, oh, this is meant to be for context. Oh, yeah. Because the way that Nick puts on thunders is... We'll be, like, making dinner or, like, just sitting on the couch and lounging and I'll be scrolling through my phone and we'll have thunder on the TV. Because we established that this is not something that we were going to talk about on the podcast, so it's not something that I think that I need to have in my brain. And then he brings up bits of it on the podcast. I'm like, wait, I didn't know we were supposed to be paying attention to this. Well, they actually made matches for tonight on Thunder. Oh, well, could have fooled me because there are so many goddamn matches on this card. Well, they also, like, fully explained one that you were incredibly confused about. I mean, yeah, that's still confusing. I've watched the match twice now. It's still confusing. Well, in case you missed our Reboot Nitro episode, uh, we have no champions in WCW right now. And we're going to crown all of them tonight. I was incorrect in assuming that, like, oh, they'll do one on Thunder. It's like, nope. I wish they had. Because we have, what, three gauntlets that we're going through tonight? Four? Well, there's five championships, but there's two tournaments going on in this show. Uh, Not to be confused with the world title tournament, which started on Nitro. What the fuck? There's so many tournaments going on, and they are doing two full brackets in this show tonight. It is incredibly hard to follow. Yes. Because there's overlap. And there's also not a graphic. There's no graphics. They like kind of sort of run through it on commentary of like what's happening and who's in what matches. But if you are listening to like it's under the uh, the overarching music or anything like the pyro and the entrance stuff. You can't hear what the commentary is saying when they're like this match is happening and then this match. You or they're speeding like, through it just to like because they can't wait to talk about Hulk Hogan. Oh, yeah. He's not coming, guys. I swear. He won't be here. Promise. He's dead, remember? <laughs> no, he's crippled, I thought. <laughs> Sorry. So today's show took place on April 16th, 2000 in Chicago, Illinois. Apparently, this is the last time they actually used this arena until AEW did, like, the last couple of years. Oh, shit, really? Yeah, because WWE just uses a different arena in the area because 
Yeah, because like, they do all that stuff with like cheaper. CM Punk and like, oh, I'm Chicago. Is that not actually in Chicago? I think it might be Chicago adjacent. <laughs> kind of like the New York Giants. I knew you were going to reference that. <laughs> but there's 12,000 in attendance the, uh, for a hockey game. This holds 19,000. So it did okay attendance wise. I don't yeah. have how many comps there were, but. That's probably a whole different number. That said, the pay-per-view buys actually weren't horrible on this one. Really? Well, I mean, relative to what's been going on recently. I mean, I can't even think of what the lead up. There like, isn't one. The lead up is Monday yeah. and Thursday. Yeah, I think that's or shit, what's no, confusing uh, d- me. I forgot Thunder moved to Wednesdays because SmackDown's on Thursdays. Yeah, because we can't have Monday Night Wars and Thursday Night Wars. Yeah. I think they tried Friday. it for a few weeks and then went, eh, we lose. We lose. Always we lose. So last month's pay-per-view did about 60,000. We were a little unsure on the number. Mm. This pay-per-view did 115,000 buys. Okay. Keep in mind that's only mildly better than ECW December to this member, <sighs> which made them kill off the brand. It's which also, made me nearly kill off the Patreon. So yeah. like that's a whole thing on its own. Made you whole, made you question your whole way of life. I really did. It is less than it is less than half of last year's Spring Stampede, though. Woof. Because I, I mean, okay, see that tracks though. That makes sense because like with the trajectory of pay per view buys and the trajectory of views on the nitros and things, that makes sense. Nobody's watching. Like it's a bad product. They were better a year ago, kind of. <laughs> Barely, <really>. yeah. <laughs> so Emily, I don't really have all that many backstage notes because there's not been enough time for things to happen. No, there's been like two business days. Yeah, thereabouts. But the whole thing that we need to know going into this is it's New Bloods versus Millionaires. Yes, and you struggle with the concept of I New Blood. I do. I'm working on it. I, I made like a list while I was watching of who is a millionaire and who, well, I didn't make a list of who's not because it's like everyone else. So I did make a list of who are the millionaires. Well, it does seem like there are some people that aren't in the new blood but are still in the company. And there's but somebody there's who I didn't some... realize was in the new blood in a match later. I'm like, him? Yeah. There's also some that are in the new blood but are kind of like dissenting against the new blood. Like Booker T doesn't seem all down for the the cause. Yeah. That, well, that's because you have, you basically said, yeah, the whole company besides these eight guys are heels now. Right. And it's like, well, Booker's not a heel. Right. So let's get into this show. We start with the opening package, recapping mostly Nitro and a little bit of Thunder. Again, there hasn't been much to recap, so hope you watched Nitro. Yeah, I didn't see the wall on a skyscraper once. We'll never know where the wall was. He's up there, Emily. That's the wall, brother. We didn't get a cold open after the opening bit. Cold open. Eric Bischoff is worried that Hogan checked himself out of the hospital. How is Eric Bischoff just like clairvoyant? Because he seems to know Hogan's every move throughout this show. He's got people. He's got writers. I mean, when Taz was on commentary, he used to have like this whole like network of like, oh, Joey Numbers told me. Joey Numbers. <laughs> that said, Billy Kidman has a great idea if Hogan shows up. <laughs> just hit him with the car again. Yeah. <laughs> if he shows up, I'll just hit him again. <laughs> Yeah, somehow it's such a Billy Kidman way of thought. I, we're we're past the Christmas season, so I I was I can't even reference uh, Hans Gruber with a hit it again. Oh, you can always reference Die Hard. And then Vince Russo's just also there, not worried. And Tori's and Tori Wilson's here just to be eye candy, I guess. Tori Wilson is um, donning IKEA bedding's finest. I swear, I had this comforter. <laughs> did you? I think I did. 
We then get a second opening package, actually focusing on this show and matches and yada yada. We then get opening pyro, and the set just kind of looks like the Nitro set. It looks like the Nitro's... Did they even have, like, a banner that said Spring Stampede? They probably had it on the ring, but not, like, at the <sighs> yeah, entrance, I don't think. We get Tony Schiavone, Scott Hudson, and Mark Madden on commentary, and... Mark for- Madden's looking rough. Well, yeah, he's putting over the Tank Abbott beating. I know, but whoever did the makeup on his black eye well, did well. Or just Tank works too stiff. That... It could be real. You're right. But he has, like, a thousand-yard stare, just, like, looking into the abyss in his black eye. And he will not shut the fuck up about DD me. Oh my god, that is the catchphrase tonight. Anytime DDP comes up in conversation, DD me, he's all about me. Okay, <laughs> we get it. And for some reason, the graphics tonight are all the Batman the Animated Series font. <laughs> only you would catch that. I don't know why. I like saw it and went, where do I know that? Oh. Literally only you would catch that. You accidentally made a Batman reference and you don't even know it. What do you mean? In one of the Arkham games, they have Mark Hamill's Joker sing Only You to Batman. Oh my god. This is not a Batman podcast. Oh, I wish. I have, my, I have my Patreon vote. Oh my god, no! <laughs> Look, we might have uh, Bane show up in one of the upcoming episodes. No. Scott Hudson runs down the tournaments, but there's no visuals, so you really just need to listen. You have to listen and be fully coherent on like what he is saying. And like, who wants to take notes while watching a wrestling show? Honestly, it does kind of take the joy out of it. And in tonight's theme, and fucking remember this, oh my God. Eric Bischoff and Vince Russo have told the referees to loosen the rules. So there can be DQs, but like, try to avoid it. Nobody wants to see DQs. Remember that. And let's go to our first match. It's the semifinals of the tag team tournament. There are only semifinals and finals. What, what else would there be? It is the Mamelukes with the Disco Inferno. Hey, yo, with the Paisans. And the uh, now-gone spirit of Tommy DeVito. Hey, yo, wait, gone? What happened to Tommy DeVito? He got benched. Versus Team Package, they're back. Team Package. Reports of their demise were greatly exaggerated. But before they come out, we get Team Package being interviewed by Mean Gene. Oh my god. Flares in street clothes. It's not really an interview. (laughs) It's not. Well, they interview Rick. No, they don't. They hand Rick a microphone and Rick screams. Gene is entirely inconsequential throughout this entire show. Anytime that he is doing quote unquote backstage interviews, nothing he says matters. I still can't believe you haven't had an Oakland since the the Legends House episode. Yeah, I wonder why. But he's just screaming, and the to the point where Lex Luger does kind of corpse. Yeah. He cracks a smile and starts kind of laughing. Like, what the fuck is going At on? At least it's his partner, so it's not like he's meant to like hate no. this guy. Yeah. But yeah, he just woos a bunch, and he's in street clothes because he's ready for a fight. I don't know if this is the era of it, but like, he starts getting very self conscious and like wrestles in a t shirt a bunch. Oh, like IRL. Yeah. Oh. Like, the last Nitro, he's in a t-shirt. Yeah, I remember. Oh. Yeah, that's body consciousness. Oh. I mean, he, Rick Flair could stand to be a little more self-conscious. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but I, you know, body positivity. <laughs> Keep your dick in your pants, but, like, love yourself. I don't know. So as soon as Lex and Flair get into the ring, Vince Russo comes out. Of course he does. He says this matchup isn't even because it's two grizzled veterans against two young upstarts. Can we talk about this? Because they called the Mamelukes rookies. 
And now I know that the new blood is supposed to be like the younger guys, but the new bloods, they've had the tag titles. Like they have yeah. had belts. These aren't rookies. Oh, technically rookie is based on year. I, this is not their first year. In WCW it is. But really? I'm, I'm pretty sure. I don't think they were around a year ago. But I definitely think Vito's been wrestling longer than a year. Giant of the Bull, I'd maybe believe it. These aren't fucking rookies. Like, calling them rookies is almost belittling. But so he to, I, to, so to even the odds, because it's an even playing field. Of course. He adds the Harris boys to the match. Which That'll help. we took... As this is now a two-on-two-on-two match. Yeah, because that would make sense. Yeah, that's not what it is. No. And I don't know that commentary knows that for a little while either. They do actually say that they're, like, that the Harris boys are here to help the Mamelukes. But help is relative. Exactly, yeah. But no, it's four-on-two. Yeah, because Team Package gets worked over by the two teams. But, like, each team works over somebody, so they don't interact at first. Right. I feel like commentary even kind of notices, like, this isn't fucking even. What do you mean this is an even playing? Well, that's Four just on heels being heels. I just... Team package, then clean house, and Flair chops Johnny the Bull, locks in a figure four, and then just, like, stops for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. Very SmackDown versus Raw. Oh, he's losing his grip. <laughs> okay. Like, I feel like somebody was supposed to come interfere, and no one ever did. Like, well... Well, based on the ending of this match, I feel like a lot of things didn't go right. Yeah, like, was no one aware that you were adding the Harris brothers to this match? Because... You know, maybe. Vito hits a big kick and then does the Italian hands. Hey, yo. The ref stops Lex from interfering, but then just watches the Harris brothers double-team flare. I'm like, okay. This is fine. And it really took until this point for us to notice that, like, oh, now that everyone's on the apron, it's it's four on two. Yeah. Like, everything we said, it was just like, nope, madness. Okay, yeah, because this is just chaos. This whole match starts out with chaos, and, it, you know, it's not a great sign for things to come. Ron Harris misses two elbow drops, and then the ref misses a hot tag to Lex. The heels all work over Flair as Disco just beats down Lex on the outside. I'm like, since when can you do this? <laughs> Even with, like... It'd be different if it was, like, one move, but he's working him over for, like, three mm-hmm. minutes, it feels like. And when he's not... He's, like, vibing. He's, like, doing his little disco dance. Yeah, and this is only stopped by two random goons just yeah, coming out and taking disco away. question mark? I don't know who this was. Commentary noted that they were vaguely Sicilian. <laughs> uh, I'm glad Tony Schiavone knows, you know, what northern Italians and southern Italians look like. Yeah, how can you distinguish it, Tony? You don't know. Lex then tags in and just lazily cleans house. He counters a top rope axe handle from Vito where he just kind of watches Vito and gets annoyed. It's because I feel like he's like fucking it up or something on the top rope. And Lex is just watching him fuck up. And then to add to it, John of the Bowl hits his like jump up to the top clothesline. And Lex watches that one too. But then he takes the clothesline like, oh. I don't know, man. Lex then just locks in a torture rack and wins and looks pissed off about something afterwards. So I don't know what happened here. This was messy. Yeah, I, I, so I started noticing Lex's irritation. I guess when he starts clearing house, that was when it all really started. Was him just like being pissed? I was maybe there was a spot that was supposed to happen that didn't, and it just derailed the whole thing. I, I don't, don't know. know, but because yeah, he seemed really irritated. Yeah, something definitely fell off here, and the sudden stipulation was dumb. But mm-hmm. team package are headed to the finals. Woo! 
We then get Mean Gene interviewing Mike Awesome. I am so over Mike Awesome. Apparently Mike Awesome is the mystery eighth man in the tournament, and why did you have him talk? He's a terrible talker. He is. He's so bad. Luckily, Bam Bam Bigelow shows up to stop this bad promo. Okay, but Bam Bam showing up makes no fucking sense. So first of all, Mike Awesome is doing this weird little dance thing with his arms, where I think it's supposed to be a stretch, but he's like swinging his arms back and forth while Gene's introducing him. So And then he starts talking, like he starts healing on the cat and like doing this promo against the cat. Oh yes, because yeah, he's facing the cat tonight in the tournament. Yeah, so he has like a line that's like, oh, cats have nine lives and I'm going to beat the shit out of all of them. And then fucking Bam Bam comes in. You were never mentioned in this conversation. Why the fuck are you here? Well, they were both in ECW together. It's like the best that doesn't I got. mean anything to their story that's happening right now. They don't have a story. Yeah, so Bam Bam talks shit, then goes to leave and awesome blindsides him. What did this accomplish? Well, it sets up our match later for of but awesome versus the cat. why did that match need to be set? We had a match. I don't know. This is stupid. Well, hey, look, at least they're announcing a match ahead of time. Sure. Um, unrelatedly, next up is Mancow versus Jimmy Hart. <laughs> Sorry, what? Yeah. <laughs> we actually did see the hype for this. There was a little video package Thank on God. one of the Nitro. No, on one of the Nitros. There was a oh, little really? bit of that. Oh. Like, it didn't announce a match or anything, but. I totally missed that. So, if you don't know who Mancow is. I don't blame you. Mancow. Mancow is a local Chicago DJ who I'm guessing, you know, is very much a Howard Stern wannabe based on the fact that they're calling him that for Hill Heat. They're calling him a Howard Stern wannabe. I would assume he's a Howard Stern wannabe. For Howard Stern wannabe in 2000, I can only imagine what the fuck your show is like. I feel like in 2023, that's just Joe Rogan. Well, Howard Stern's actually more liberal than you think. Is he? Yeah. I... But Emily, we have um, we have a stipulation for this match that I've only seen one time before. Tell me. It's an eye for an eye match. The only other time I've seen this was Rey Mysterio and Seth Rollins, where Seth Rollins pierced Rey Mysterio's eye on the edge of the ring steps. This was during like the Thunderdome era, right? Yes. We were just throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what stuck. Yeah. Thank God Rey's eye healed. Without explanation one day. With no scar. It was amazing. Which also seems to have happened for Mancow. Yes. So we do get a video package for this beforehand explaining why the match is going to happen. And um, Jimmy Hart attacked Mancow in an interview and injured his eye. And so now we have this match. Sure. So it's Jimmy Hart with Hale versus Mancow with his Who entourage. the fuck is Hale? It's just some big lad. Some guy. Jimmy Hart comes out in a Howard Stern shirt for heel heat. He heals on Mancow for some context because if you're watching TV, this match makes no sense to you. Yeah. Never would have thought to put this match together. Mancow comes out. He has some babes. Okay. Can we talk about this entourage? Yes. Well, he also comes out to his theme song, I assume, which is just a Kid Rock ripoff. Yeah. Like Jimmy Hart be proud. It's 2000. So yeah, his entourage. Do you have the list? Yeah. Well, I don't have names, but I. Oh, have I have names of, of of the men. I don't have the names, but I have the gimmicks. Okay, I have. Well, I don't have their real names, but I have their gimmick names for for the men at least. So this entourage is basically just four hot babes with their boobs out. One of one has it out a little more than others. She's and she's flaunting it. And she loves it. Um, a grungy guy playing air guitar. I, okay, the problem is, I don't know which one was which. Um, 
I'm gonna. That's either Brian the Whipping Boy or Turd. I'm gonna guess it was Turd. And then there's a large black man in traditional African dress. Who I'm gonna go ahead and guess is Al Roker Jr. What the fuck? Yeah. So Man Cow grabs a mic and immediately calls Jimmy Hart a piece of shit. And uh, Scott Hudson has to point out, oh, his eye seems fine. Yeah, they were all like, what happened to his eye patch? In a statement you got very upset about, Mancow notes, uh, notes that Jimmy Hart Pearl Harbored him. What the fuck does Pearl Harboring someone mean? Because that doesn't sound good. It's a sneak attack. It it actually isn't like, they've used it in wrestling before. Gorilla Monsoon would say that shit all the time. That's terrible. <laughs> That's fucking awful. Also, was it a sneak attack? You had Jimmy Hart on your show, and you insulted him to his face, and you're going to call it a sneak attack that he attacked you? That's not sneaky. That sounds provoked. That's like literally poking a bear, and then be like, oh my god, he sneak attacked me when the bear jumps at you. So they catfight to start, and then scrap to mild man-cow chance. Like, I hate that the crowd is into this at all. It's still early in the show. They don't know what they're in for. I'm skipping over a bunch, but Mancow pulls the ref in the way of a diving splash. Cool. Hale then press slams Mancow onto his entourage, and Jimmy Hart is like, okay, that's enough, and tells his hired muscle to just leave. Like, why? Yeah, why was Hale here at all? For that spot. He did, like, nothing. But also hang out. Match isn't over, motherfucker. Right. Why are you just leaving? What a debut for him. Mancow then hits a chair to the back of Jimmy Hart and wins. Woo! Uh, there was a bit more to this match, but there wasn't. No, there wasn't. This, like, this was shit. Yes. It was shit. It was unnecessary filler on an already overbooked show. We did not need this. It was kind of quick is the only saving grace I have for it. Not quick enough. I've seen longer bad matches. That's true. And then to put a weird, confusing stamp on all of this, Jimmy Hart, who was very blatantly the heel in this match, then gets his ass kicked by Billy Kidman coming down the ramp and just, I guess, Pearl Harboring him. See, that is more of a sneak attack. Well, I don't like the phrase Pearl Harboring. He got Pearl Harbor but... from the front here. You should have seen him coming. His music hits. Like, no, Billy Kidman's coming out. So, yeah, uh, heel Billy Kidman attacks heel Jimmy Hart to get to, I guess, face Hulk Hogan. Literally kicking him while he's down. Yeah. And despite the fact that, you know, Hogan is not uh, advertised to appear tonight. So Hulk Hogan has now been provoked, more or less. And Billy Kidman, in later segments, I guess, I'm just jumping into it. He sees this as like, now he's definitely not coming. Now I scared him. There's no way he'll show his face. I solved it. Like... Billy. <laughs> I mean, the only way you would have actually solved it is if you send Jimmy Hart to the hospital, then Hogan might go to the hospital. Exactly. But this was That's just like a true. little bit of a beat down. This was nothing. But Billy Kidman, which is the the confidence of a man who is sleeping with Tori Wilson. <laughs> I mean, fair. <laughs> I'd be confident too. Backstage, Russo scolds the Mamelukes and the Harris brothers for losing, then swings his baseball bat at something. Lily calls him bunch of losers. He like adds on the New York accent, I think. I don't think he actually has one. No. Oh, yes, he does. I don't. I think he's faking it. It sounds too thick. And like in a fake way, like he's doing an impression. He, then he's been doing an impression for 40 years. Maybe. He might be. 
I think you're wrong about that one. He, he is know. from New York. I believe he's from New York. I fully believe that. And I believe he probably does have a bit of an accent, but I think that he leans into it. Let's go to our first U.S. title tournament match. We have like, we have too many of these tonight. This, there are 14 matches on this card. I think this is seven of them. We're on match number three. Well, I'm saying the U.S. title tournament, I think, is seven of the That's matches. too many fucking matches. And in a theme of tonight, it's going to be heel versus heel in this match. Honestly, the heel face dynamic does not matter. It just doesn't, especially not in this pay-per-view. It doesn't matter. Well, there's also two new blood guys because it's The Wall versus Scott Steiner. And The Wall comes out in his best 2006 Vince McMahon cosplay. Scott Steiner is one of the guys that I think is dissenting against the uh, against the new blood. Later in the show when he is talking to Gene, I know I'm jumping around, I'm sorry. He says, like, Gene says, representing the new blood is Scott Steiner. And he comes out and he's like, I'm not representing anyone except for myself. And I can, you can take that in multiple ways, but I took that as, fuck your new blood, I'm me, and I'm going to win this for me. Steiner works the wall over in the corner, and then the wall works Steiner over in the same corner. We love corners. Low blow to the wall gets a pop, and I think this is one of many moments of them going, ah, no, basically no DQ. It, it flip-flops. <laughs> it really depends on who is in the ring, whether or not they're going to enforce the DQ rule. Steiner hits a belly to belly, and then we get a low blow to Steiner, followed by a two-handed choke slam. Which I guess is kind of cool, you know. Steiner drops the wall on the ropes, and then they go to the outside. Wall throws Steiner into the barricade and sets up a table at ringside. It's a table. Steiner tries to suplex Wall through the table, but the wall counters and tries for a choke slam. Steiner rakes the wall's eyes and then pulls the referee in the way. Ah, confusion! The wall then grabs the ref by the throat and choke slams the ref through the table, a second referee comes out and disqualifies the wall. Sure. I'm like, well, no. See, this was egregious to cause a DQ because he attacked a referee. Okay. Okay. So Scott Steiner has advanced by DQ. Okay. That's. I don't think that's egregious to use a DQ on this. I don't necessarily disagree, but when you keep saying, oh, we don't want... We don't want matches to end by DQ. Then don't do it on night one. No, I agree with you on that. I do. I don't do it on match number fucking three either. But I I get that there is a line that they have to tread and they crossed it. I think all you needed was a moment earlier where someone threatens the referee and it's like, no, they'll DQ him for that. It's like, just not a lot of setup for that. Okay. Okay. I guess that's fair. So Steiner advances to round two and um, that's it for the wall tonight. (laughs) Steiner also doesn't look very pleased at the end of this match. I think he just might, might not be pleased at the general quality of the match. Well, it was eh. I mean, it was, yeah. None, yeah. Of, none of the matches on this card are five-star masterpieces. No. None of them. Even the best match is probably like eh, two. Maybe three. Yeah. Well, we got a five-star man up next because Mean Gene man. interviews Ernest the Cat Miller. Are you calling Gene the five-star man? You know, yeah, I'll go with that. I was sarcastic calling... <laughs> it's not the cat. I was sarcastic calling the cat the five-star man. But... It ain't the cat. Well, the cat complains that he's not facing James Brown tonight. And Gene's okay. like, you're, you're not facing James Brown, Ernest. This promo was so unhinged. <laughs> this made no sense. And to add to it, Bam Bam Bangla shows up and attacks the cat. Because sure he does. Bam Bam, you are not part of this! Well, he begs to differ because... 
Next up is Mike Awesome versus Ernest the Cat Miller. Except Swerve, it's Bam Bam because he just attacked the cat and he's unconscious backstage. Well, yeah, Mike Awesome comes out to the revolution theme for some reason. Sure. We are so undeveloped with uh, Mike Awesome that he doesn't have a theme. So we're reusing a theme that didn't even die that long ago. I think, I swear Shane Douglas used it on Nitro. He may have. But Bam Bam comes out and just attacks Awesome. And it's like, oh, it's his match now. Like, what? Yeah, fuck you. But commentary, like, they encourage this because they're like, this is the new WCW. You see what you want, you come take it. So in their eyes, this is great. We get a big boot to Bam Bam and then, an aw- and then Awesome clotheslines Bam Bam to the floor. Awesome vaults Bam Bam into the crowd and then dives over the barricade onto him. Awesome hits a diving clothesline but only gets a two. Bam Bam counters a back suplex by turning it around into a splash and then hits a diving headbutt and signals for the greetings from Asbury Park. But then we get the cat running in and he kicks Bam Bam out of the ring. He grabs a mic and is like, I'm going to dance for you all. Play my James Brown music. For what it's worth, in the actual version, his music sounds more like James Brown. Sure. But why the fuck is he dancing? There's a match going on. He breaks out the red shoes, too. There is a match going on in a tournament. Yeah, so he takes a little while to put on the shoes and start dancing. And Mike Awesome is, like, slowly getting up behind him. Yeah, he's, like, staring on in the corner. Just like, what the fuck? Awesome clotheslines the cat, hits a frog splash on him, and pins the cat. Who so I guess it wasn't Bam Bam's match. match. Well, it originally was his match. So, but, so yeah, was Originally, it? but the bell rang with Bam Bam in the ring, and it was one-on-one. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but Tony Schiavone, the voice of all of us. Why would the cat dance in the middle of a tournament? Explain that to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same, Tony. <laughs> I couldn't care less. Yeah. That's kind of the problem with a lot of the matches on this card. Who could care? I don't know why you felt the need to do the whole Ernest Miller song and dance if you wanted Literal Bam song Bam and, and dance. This. Yeah. Want a Bam Bam. Just have Bam Bam in the match. Yeah, just make it a Bam Bam match. Instead of making him, you know, interfere on two promos that have nothing to do with him. Yeah, have have like a ref bump and awesome wins by big cheating chair shot or something. I don't, I don't know. know. Give Awesome some kind of personality, though. Literally anything. I'll take it. Mm, carefully, careful about that. He's going to get a lot of personalities in the next year. Is he? Ooh, yeah. Backstage, Vince Russo, Eric Bischoff, Kidman and Tori all chat Hulk Hogan. Except it really Tori doesn't. Tori's just here to be seen. Tori has no words in this entire show. She's all over Billy, though. She's all over Billy, like Ikea betting all over a mattress. <laughs> I don't know. I tried. I tried. <laughs> Do you want to leave that? Or? Yeah. <laughs> Eric Bischoff is now convinced that Hulk Hogan will show up. But Billy's like, nah, man, I scared him off. Gene interviews Buff Bagwell and Shane Douglas. Douglas says that Space Ugh. Mountain is officially closed as of tonight. I fucking hate these two. And they're new blood. I fucking hate these two. Not I don't even care that they're new blood. I don't want to see either of them succeed. Admittedly, they do kind of give away the result of this ne- next match because Gene interviews them and all they talk about are Flair and Luger. They barely acknowledge the fact that they're in our next match against Harlem Heat 2000. Which really confused me, even on like second watch, because they were talking, like you said, about um, Flair and Luger. And then they come out and have a match with an entirely different group. So it's like, what was the point of that whole conversation? Well, they may just be ahead of us because... Um, 
This match is entirely forgettable, and they may have just forgotten it before they even had it. Yeah, I just don't care. Douglas has a pretty generic theme song now. I suppose the Revolution theme. Mark Madden tries to put over Shane and Buff as like a better team package. No. He's like, oh well, you know, similar body fat on Lex and uh, and Buff. No. Yeah, and Shane Douglas just a better Ric Flair. No. Which, I mean, I do find it funny as somebody who hates Ric Flair. I think we mentioned this before. How much Shane Douglas wants to be Ric Flair. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it is literally, it's basically an Oedipus complex. Oh, okay. Bring some Greek mythology into wrestling. This is another heel versus heel match. Counting the Mike Awesome match, or I guess what it originally was booked, the only match tonight so far that was not heel versus heel was the first match. Yes. And, but again, it doesn't matter. Well, and I guess Man Cow was a, Man Cow's a heel the to me. The heel face dynamics just don't matter in this show. And you can almost say that's by design because it's all tournaments and you want the best of the best. You can say it's by design. It just doesn't matter. Well, it it kind of matters in this match cuz and we'll get to a point later where it really kind of kicks in, but match starts everyone brawls, we get a swinging neckbreaker from Buff and then a screeching spine buster from Big T. Is this where he makes the big noise? Yes. I loved that noise. We get a running Vader bomb from Buff, and we build to the hot tag, and the crowd's like into the like the build, and then both guys tag in, and they kind of go, oh, ah. who cares? Like, that's where the heel versus heel kicks in. I'm like, oh yeah, we don't give a shit about either of these guys. It just doesn't fucking matter. I I hate Harlem Heat. Yeah. I could not, you could not pay me to care about Harlem Heat. We get a running pump kick to Shane, and... Douglas low blows Big T and hits a Pittsburgh plunge, basically. But commentary is like, no, that wasn't quite that move. And I'm like, wasn't it? <laughs> but I don't know. Um, I couldn't care less, man. It was but, so hard to follow this match in a way that was like, it wasn't that it was hard to follow. It was hard to focus on. And it doesn't help that as Shane Douglas hits the Pittsburgh plunge on Stevie Ray, Big T, who got low blowed, is just standing in the corner watching this happen yes. and makes no attempt to break up the pin. And I'm like... He's probably already gassed. He hasn't done anything well, in the he match, needs but to he's sell. Gassed. He got low blowed. It's like, like, sell the low blow. He's just no. sitting there in the corner. I'm like, bud. Yeah. So, Team Buff and Shane Douglas win. They're going to go face Team Package in the finals. Yay. Harlem Heat argue after the bell, and I don't know how much longer they have, but I can't imagine it's long. God, I hope it's not long at all. I hope they're done. Backstage, we get Mean Gene interviewing Booker T. I guess he got the tea back. Nope. During his uh, graphic later, it's gone again. Gene always respected the tea. Gene lives for the tea. <laughs> I that's actually that tracks considering he ran the hotline. And that's what is the true. hotline but tea? That's true. That is really just a gossip line. Let me tell you what happened in the ring last night. Oh my god. Did you see what he was wearing? Amazing. Spooker says he agrees with the new blood about opportunities, but doesn't necessarily agree with the methods of which they're doing it. So that's kind of why I'm thinking like Booker is not new blood. Like he is, but he isn't. Yeah, they, like Russo and Bischoff want him to be new blood, but he's only in it like a little. Yeah. He's only in it like you know by happenstance, really. Well, he's well, he has a chance to prove himself in our next match. It's Booker versus Sting in another U.S. title tournament. See, this could be a good match. This could be good. <laughs> yes. Of all the this matches is the tonight, first one where I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, I'll watch. And you know how you were saying, he, you know, oh, heel versus heel doesn't matter. Why did you have to do face versus face in this one? 
it didn't matter. It was still a fine match. Yeah, you know what? You're right. I shouldn't complain. That said, it's like the only two faces of the tournament, you put them against each other in the first round. Because they know it's going to be the best match of the card. Then have Booker win one. No. Have him make it to the semifinals. No, we can't have Booker win. Sting seems to get a nice reaction. I can only tell visually. And then yeah. chants after the music. We really are missing out by not hearing his uh, actual Metallica theme. Yeah, I mean, you said we do have the downloads. Or do we not anymore? We have some of them. Ugh. Sting and Booker push each other to start as they seem to come, come to an understanding of like, okay, like that's type, that's kind of match going to be. That's fine. Good quick action. Sting hits a hip toss. Sting hits a big scoop slam and clotheslines Booker to the floor. Sting whips Booker into the cameraman and the bell area and then slams him onto the announce table, which not does not break. It, just on it. Booker flapjacks Sting onto the table and then brings Sting back into the ring. Sting powers out of a rest hold, but Booker hits a knee and Sting's back down. Booker hits a knee drop and we slow things back down again. Sting powers up, and but is hit with a scissor kick, but Sting kicks out of that. We then get a flapjack to Sting, Sting followed by a spinneroonie. Spinneroonie! Spinneroonie! can't believe you've turned around on that yeah. with Mark Madden being as annoying as he is about it. Well, it's just because Booker T, or sorry, Booker, looks better doing it when it's not a taunt necessarily. It didn't feel, it didn't, it didn't feel so taunty, I guess. It felt more of like celebratory, not taunty. It's not, it's not the same thing. Sting dodges a Harlem sidekick and, hit, and hits a DDT. Stinger splash connects, but a second one is countered in a spot he's been doing a lot lately. Yes. Sting hits a running cross body and Booker counters a suplex, but Sting counters the counter of the suplex into his own. I counter your counter with a counter of my counter. And hits a scorpion death drop and Sting gets the pin and advances. Woo! Sting goes to leave, but Booker gets in his face post-match, tells him to get back in the ring. Booker offers a fist bump. Sting bumps it and leaves. Respect. You normally hate that spot. I know I normally hate that Mark spot. Mark Madden I... hated that spot. Yeah, they really hated that spot. I don't understand why. Like, just shut up. Because Mark Madden is a heel. Mark Madden lives for the drama. This was probably the best match on the card. Yeah. I, 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 it wasn't particularly great, but it was the best. Yeah, it's one of those, like, knowing they have another gear in them if you gave them more time. Yeah. But with what they had, they put on a good show. Absolutely. It's shocking that you put two guys who are good, competent wrestlers in there. And they can put on a good And the match. crowd cares about them. Wow. And yeah. Who'd have thunk it? Wild concept. Yeah, I guess the important part of that is that, that the crowd cares about. Because just to, putting two guys in there doesn't always lead to the success. No. For our next match. Unfortunately. I was really hopeful. Before that match, we get Gene interviewing Kidman, Tori, and Eric Bischoff. They haven't got enough screen time tonight. Hogan isn't showing, brother. It's just a rumor. It's just a rumor. He's not coming. And then Kidman says, if he does show up, he'll send the brother man back to the hospital. Brother man. <laughs> His exact words. Guys, I, th I think he's coming to the show. So next up is Vampiro versus Billy Kidman, also in the quarterfinals of the U.S. title tournament. We've seen this match a couple times now. And it's usually fine. Vampiro does not go against Kidman the way that, like, Rey Mysterio does. They don't always no. put on banger after banger, but they're usually passable. And once again, this is heel versus heel. Who so cares? The crowd. Let it fucking go. The crowd care, because the crowd's dead for this whole fucking match. No, they're dead because Vampiro's lame. Yeah. Kidman rushes Vampiro, but Vampiro just beats him down for a bit. Vampiro hits a belly to belly and goes up top and hits a diving clothesline. Kidman hits a pop-up Hurricane Rana, but goes for a 10-punch spot. But Vampiro just counters with, with like a toss powerbomb. Like, Jesus. Yeah. Kidman counters a second powerbomb attempt with the face jam. We haven't seen the fa face jam. Don't say it's a face jam. That's what 
what they call it's it. It's a face buster, and we haven't seen it in so long. Don't call it a face. Yeah, jam. that was a finisher for a few weeks. Yeah, is it only a few weeks? Yeah. Oh. Well, it was basically like Hogan ain't taking the shooting star press, so establish this. And apparently now it's, I guess Hogan ain't going to lift you for that, so. Uh, yeah. I think the last match we saw him win, he won with like a diving elbow. I remember it being something really inconsequential, so that would make sense. Kidman hits a scoop slam and a vaulting leg drop. Vampiro sandbags a Kidman sidewalk slam. I don't know what happened there. Vampiro counters a suplex, hits one of his own, and then hits a Uranagi. Kidman counters another powerbomb attempt with a face jam again. But face they, buster! They don't call it the face jam. I don't, well, they call it the face buster? I don't think they really call the move at all. It's a face buster. We get a spin kick from Vampiro, and Vampiro starts working over the arm for some reason. <laughs> DDT to Vampiro, and the crowd does not make a sound. They've been dead this whole match. Yeah, they just don't care, which is a real shame. I mean, it's not a horrible match. It's kind of boring, but it's not horrible. Suddenly, we cut to a car pulling up backstage, what? and it's Hulk Hogan. Who? What? I thought he wasn't coming. So. I thought he was so scared. Didn't he see what Billy did to Jimmy? I want to note the logic here. This means that Hulk Hogan was either in town watching and decided to head over then, or he just happened to show up during the Billy Kidman match. Which one would you rather believe? Neither. So Hulk Hogan actually comes out to the ring. He grabs Kidman, throws him to the outside, and beats him down. Kidman dodges a stair shot. So then Hogan sets up the stairs in front of the announce table and hits a, like, strange two-handed choke slam from on top of the stairs through the announce table. Yeah, this was kind of strange. Well, I should say cool, onto the announce table because the table doesn't break. Yeah, this is a So Hogan scoop table. slams Kidman through. You're going through this goddamn table, kid. Hogan then throws Kidman back in the ring and tells the ref, count the pin. How the fuck wasn't that a DQ? Because it's a lax DQ rule. Because this isn't hurting the, re- the referee. I mean, that's the difference between the last DQ and this one. Okay, at least we've set up that if someone's going to interfere in the match, we don't need to distract the ref. Right. We'll, we'll never need to do that spot again. Right. Especially not two more times in this show. Right. No, or fuck, it, it's more than that, isn't it? I think it's like I three. Tell I you. literally think it's three or four There's more times. There's so many sp- like DQ spots in this show. Like, it, I don't fucking know. So Hogan throws Kippen in the ring, Vampiro pins him, and yeah, Vampiro wins. He's the wrestler of the future, brother. Brother. Brother man. Hogan then grabs a mic and says he's coming after Eric Bischoff. Bischoff, you son of a bitch. I'm gonna eat your ass alive. He leans into that this time. Like, he has committed to eat your ass alive. Thoughts on this match before we go to the backstage segments? It should have been better. Yeah. This These two guys, they know how to work with each other, and they just didn't deliver. Which is disappointing. I think the crowd not being into it probably made them kind of question and go, what the fuck would we do? Uh, Maybe. It might have scared him a little. Backstage, Eric Bischoff and Vince Russo chat in their room, and Bischoff's like, I'm going to leave. And Vince is like, no, he'll find you. Like, just leave. Just leave the arena. What are you doing? So Vince Russo's like, don't leave. I have a plan. So there's a plan afoot. Afoot. Somewhere else, Hogan is on the hunt for Bischoff and is just throwing things around backstage, but less than he was on uh, on Nitro. Yeah, it's still throwing, and he still does kind of like yeet a table across the hall, which looks pretty cool, but... It's not nearly as destructive. And once again, would you believe it? The door that has Eric Bischoff's name on it is the room that Eric Bischoff is in. Who could have thought that that was going to happen? That's so, that's such a coincidence. You know, Hogan, if you showed up at the shows on time, you might actually know the layout of the building. It's possible. Hogan bursts in the room. He chokes Eric Bischoff and we get some cops running in. And in separating them, 
The cops then pull their guns on Hulk Hogan. Like, fully pull their guns. Like, yeah. four or five cops all have their guns drawn on Hulk Hogan. Yeah, and Hogan, at least, Hogan does back down, at least. I mean, good. like, I'm um, bulletproof, brother. <laughs> you shooting me doesn't work for me, brother. <laughs> this is a shoot, brother. Oh, no. <laughs> this was bizarre. I've never seen someone pull a... Like, you see a lot of weird stuff in wrestling TV. I've never seen someone pull a gun on a wrestler. <laughs> I'm trying to think of any other occasions. I'm thinking right? of Brian Pillman. I don't. I don't think I've watched a lot of Brian. Oh Pillman yeah, he stuff. pulled it on TV. It, like oh, that that was the home invasion spot though. Yeah, that's different. I think there were cops or security guards with guns during like the initial NWO storyline. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they ever pulled them on them though. They pulled tasers. Well, no, not the NWO. I'm, I'm saying the cops pulled the guns oh. potentially, and then. Um, Austin pulled a gun on the NWO, but that was one of my favorite spots because that was the net gun that he shoots at Kevin Nash. Oh, so that's not a gun gun. That's great. <laughs> and I found out later, I think I told you this, that that spot apparently took a couple different takes. Oh, yeah. All, it, was a, it was on a pre-taped SmackDown, so they kept <laughs> having to do it. a couple of times. See, that's funny. But yeah, they like, they're like ready to shoot Hulk yeah, Hogan. ready. And then commentary's like, yeah, well, Hogan's arrested, I guess. <laughs> Eric Bischoff's like, do it! Shoot him! <laughs> Jesus. It was fucking wild. Nice. Hogan then gets arrested and keeps saying that he's going to eat Bischoff's ass alive. Really commits to it. There's no faltering on eat his ass alive. No, it's ass alive. I, I think maybe he heard the clip and went, I really need to make sure people kn- know what I said. Yeah. No one can speculate what I said. They have to know. I said this is my whole ass chest. That said, both these men... Are either loved or they have two different boom mics following them because we're in vastly different spaces and hear both Bischoff and Hogan talking. And then we just cut to Terry Funk and there's we can still hear everybody. Booms. And but we hear Terry Funk talking too, so there's at least three here. That's a lot of mics. Because we hear Bischoff go like, Oh, you just wait on Nitro and cuts. I'm like, okay. Yeah, you thought you had time to cut a promo? Yeah, no. So Terry Funk is looking for Norman Smiley for their upcoming match. There's a lot of backstage pursuit in this show. Yeah. So Terry Funk is looking for Norman Smiley for their hardcore title match. I want to talk about how they got this match. Okay. And also the fact that apparently Norman Smiley is New Blood. Because they say it's possible for New Blood to get all the titles. Yes. W- Terry Funk's not New Blood. Well, they Would- never really established what Terry Funk is. Yeah, but he's not New Blood. There's even a point later where they're doing the tallies of the scores, and I won't spoil it, but they're like, New Blood, this, Millionaires, this, Terry Funk, this, because he's not in either yeah. category. But they flat out say later that, like, you stopped the New Blood from getting the, the title, and it's like, so Norman Smiley is New Blood, apparently. Yeah, see, that would make sense. Yeah. Yes. But the way Norman Smiley and Terry Funk got this match is on Thunder, they did, I think it was a three or four team Hardcore match. Okay. And the winning team then faced each other on this pay-per-view. Okay. I don't feel the need to tell you who else was in this match, but can you guess who Norman Smiley pinned to get this match? Dustin. If you guessed any of the other teams in the match, you'd be incorrect. He somehow was allowed to pin his own partner for them to advance to have this match. Yes. Why? Yes. (laughs) The actual fuck. Yes. Do you not know how matches work? That like, that's the basics of wrestling: is facing somebody. <laughs> We've lost that. 
Just pin your own. Like it wasn't. It wasn't even like the like oh bullshit clever new age outlaws. We both tag each other in and like yeah no no this was just like I think Terry Funk is dead. Let me pin him and they're like oh they've advanced. So (laughs) Terry Funk is now looking for Norman Smiley. He goes into catering. He's like, has anyone seen Norman Smiley? And everyone in the room sells him out at the exact same time. It was a synchronized point to the back of the room. It was great. It was really awesome. Getting a room full of people to be in on the joke. I love that. Funk then goes into the bathroom and like, Norman, are you in here? And Norman just yelps, giving the game away immediately. Immediately. Like, he could have hidden a little bit longer. Funk attacks Norman and the match is on. Funk sprays a fire extinguisher and slams Norman onto the circular table at catering. It's like, oh, that didn't break. Nope. That was it a shoot table. <laughs> they brawl through the service window for the kitchen. I'm like, Damn. Oh my God. That was amazing. Throwing him through the little kitchen window. Great. Onto the lunch unit, which is in a catering kitchen. There is a shockingly limited amount of food on the kitchen unit. There yeah, is like it a staged salad, but there is no other food in this kitchen. I forget where in this they go into like the whole cabinet of soda. Oh yeah, Funk kind of throws Norman into the Diet Coke fridge. See, you you bought the propaganda. If you look at the color of those cans, a quarter of them are Diet Coke. That's mostly regular Coke. They were all saying Diet Coke on commentary. Oh, exactly. They say Diet Coke. I'm like, no, that was Coke. I was drinking a Diet Coke while I was watching this match. Ew. I, actually, I like Diet Coke. So they're brawling in the kitchen. We get a very light cookie sheet shot that like absolutely bends it in half. I'm like, how? But commentary is selling this as like, that's an industrial strength cookie sheet. Funk gets thrown upside down into a trash can. And then Funk breaks a laptop over Norman's head. And they keep brawling through backstage. <laughs> Norman then climbs up a ladder and is hanging off of a pipe. What was his plan? I don't know. Where was he aiming to go? Funk then pulls a table under Norman and hits hits chair shots to have him fall through the table. Chair shots to Funk as they brawl towards the crowd area. And some big chair shots to Funk as they go towards the ring. Norman does a little wiggle and hits more chair shots to Funk. Funk, Funk counters a big wiggle with a chair shot over his head hitting Norman. I did think it was funny that Norman started the wiggle and had to restart it so that Terry could like reset himself so that he was at the right angle to throw the chair back. So Funk grabs a ladder and wedges it between the ropes to set up a spot and we get Dustin Rhodes coming out. Like they, there was no build up to him running out at all. It was just like, oh, he's here now. Yeah, this feud isn't dead yet. Rhodes pile drives Funk onto a chair and then Funk counters a flying nothing from Dustin that is meant to send Dustin into the ladder to, like, hit Norman Smiley, but they screw up the timing or something somehow because Norman only gets clipped by it. He doesn't even really get clipped by it. He fully misses it. Yeah, so instead, Funk holds the ladder up vertically, like, over the ropes and tips it down onto Norman. I'm like, ow! <laughs> Just kind of lobs it at him. He then goes to the floor and pins Norman. So your new hardcore champion, Terry Funk. Ooh. This was a bit of fun. I, I love a silly hardcore match. This was a lot of fun. I loved the sellout at the beginning. I loved the kitchen offense, throwing him into the refrigerator. I love that shit. Yeah, it was good hardcore shenanigans. Yeah, hardcore shenanigans. That's perfect. Dustin showing up out of layers I didn't need. Honestly, yeah. I think this this match could have been way better if Dustin was not part of it. Well, good news for you later. Yeah. And, um, oh God, I don't know when it is. It's soon. There's going to be some Norman Smiley stuff you really like. Hell yeah. And Emily, I have some good news for you. Hmm. You order Spring Stampede, you get a mouse pad. Hell yeah. That's how they deliver it. A mouse pad. 
Not a chair, not a ladder, not a fight in the back, a mouse pad. <laughs> so this kind of confused me because it's ordering Spring Stampede. Is that not the show that we're watching? This is the same as them being like, hey, if you order the show, you can get the t- the Scott Hall t-shirt or the bear. If you ordered? Yeah. So, okay. Okay. So you can like enter to win a mouse pad if you ordered the show. Like if you're watching the show, you can be like, oh, I get a mouse pad. Yeah. Okay. Still a fucking mouse pad. It's a fucking mouse pad. You're right. It's still lame, but like I wanted to make sure they weren't advertising the sale of a show that is currently fucking happening. <laughs> Wouldn't put it past them, but no. This Do is... they think that they're like people calling up their friends like, you got to order this show right now, brother. <laughs> Backstage, Russo scolds Booker and Russo tells Booker to come with him to do him a favor. He verbatim says, you got to stop pissing off Bischoff. What? <laughs> Basically, stop being a face. Yeah, I don't know, man. Let's go to our first semifinals match of the U.S. title tournament. Match number fucking nine. It's Mike Awesome versus Scott Steiner. Steiner takes down Awesome and just brutalizes him on the map. I'm sorry, brutalizes? <laughs> yeah. I would say that he Steinerizes him. <laughs> All right. <laughs> like, kind of amateur wrestling style. Like, little kind of makes like, Mike Awesome look like a little bit, little bit of a chump. Yeah, well, he is kind of a bit of a chump. He's not. He is, though. He's been here six days. You've been here six days. Been here for 96 episodes, ma'am. We get a clothesline, elbow drop, and throw to the outside, followed by some push-ups from Steiner. The commentary on this is like, Steiner should really be doing this with a babe under him. And Tony Schiavone is like, not having it. He's just like, or he's just doing (laughs) push-ups. Yeah, also, that's just not how you have sex. No, I don't think that Mark Madden's ever had sex. Awesome counters a Steiner charge with a vaulting shoulder, and then hits a jumping splash and diving clothesline. Low blow to Awesome and a spinning belly to belly. Awesome runs up the ropes and hits a back elbow, and the crowd pops big for it. Mm. Except it's not for it. It's for Kevin Nash. Because of course it is. He hits Awesome with his crutch on the top rope, and uh, we get the Steiner recliner, and Steiner wins. Boom. So I zoned out on this match the first time I watched it. I watched it a second time. Guess what happened? Zoned out. I sure did. It's two guys I like that you don't like. I really don't get your uh, your adoration of Mike Awesome. I just don't get it. It's mostly based in ECW. <laughs> based on what he's doing in the ring, though, I just don't see it. I think he has a, a unique style. I don't. I don't. I don't know. This match itself was kind of, eh, admittedly. How'd I, you feel about the interference spot? I forget if they bumped the ref or not. I don't remember either. <laughs> Couldn't tell you. But at least it was quick. At least it was quick and not a long, protracted beatdown. True. At the very least, it was one shot. Right. Backstage, Vince Russo fires Dustin Rhodes and then runs him down. Woo! And he takes credit for Gold Dust on the way out. Like, do you really want to take credit for that? Both of them are take credit for it. Why? Booker was just here as security too, I guess. Yeah, because this is the favor that I guess he's trying to like cash in on. I thought this was story, but Dustin's gone for a while. Yeah, because I thought I read somewhere that he like actually got fired here i mean yeah i guess i thought he stuck around because i know he's around for the end of like 2001 Mm. but uh, yeah i guess he's gone for a little while i don't know what the hell he does he doesn't go back to wwe i don't know maybe just take some time to be at home yeah i mean he has a handful of personal issues and oh i'm sure he might go to rehab i don't know so i'm not really sure how much does dustin here but he is gone for a while and He just say it. I, he didn't really add much to the show that he was on. So, remember when he was seven? Sorry, I blinked. I missed that. <laughs> yeah, really. Let's keep moving to our next U.S. title tournament semifinals. 
It's Vampiro versus Sting. The brothers in paint explode. Woo. This is another match that has the ability to be good. Yeah. I don't think it's going to follow through on that ability, but it has the ability. Sting books into the ring into a spin kick. He's like, oh, maybe you should have taken your time there. Yeah. Vampiro hits strikes to a jacketed Sting. Vampiro hits some more strikes in the corner, but it just fires Sting up and he throws Vampiro around. Chair shot to Vampiro on the outside. Sting hits a diving splash and we go right back outside. <laughs> Vampiro dodges a stinger splash into the barricade and Vampiro hits a super kick and throws Sting back in the ring. Vampiro then goes up top and they don't know what they're going to do because he just no. kind of hops down. Yeah, he goes up top for no reason. We get a leg drop to Sting and a back suplex and then Vampiro slowly works over Sting. And then we get Sting very sloppily countering another dive kind of spot with like a powerbomb type move. Like I don't know. Did he go to that spot too early? or I? Maybe he went up top too early. But yeah, in tonight's theme of looking annoyed, Sting looks annoyed after this. Yes. Then hits the Scorpion Death Drop, which should be the finish. Yes. And then he locks in the Scorpion Death Lock just to like extra, like, nope, you lose by both my moves. Right. Which, fair. And I Sting mean. just kind of wins out of nowhere. Like, didn't really build to this. Like, oh. I think Sting might have called an audible here. I mean, like, fuck you, man. Match is over. I mean, That's kind of how it felt when it was finisher after finisher. I mean, it was that, but like they were also just like starting spots and stopping and yeah, just kind of generally clunky. I don't know what was wrong here, but something was either. something was wrong. The communication was off. That's for sure. Maybe they like thought they could improvise the match, or Vampiro was like, "Nah, I trust you, man. Like lead the match." But then Vampiro got out there and was cocky and wanted to lead the match himself. I don't know. Not a good showing for Vampiro tonight. No, two very he's not doing well. Two matches that should have been good and weren't. Right. Like, both of these guys could have probably carried him to good matches, and he just faltered. Then get Mean Gene interviewing Kimberly and DDP backstage. DDP says he wants one thing more than the title, and that's to kick Jeff Jarrett's ass. Same. Oh, Emily, I should note, the show you wanted to do for Patreon before we ended up choosing December, December. Yes. Was Seasons Beatings. Yes. You know who makes a grand return on that show? Oh, God. Jeff Jarrett. Are you fucking serious? <laughs> Nick, why didn't we do that show? Next Christmas, ladies and gentlemen, on the Patreon, we're doing season's motherfucking beatings. <laughs> That's going to be put to a vote. No, I'm voting. I'm going to vote every day. By the time this comes out, the, the voting will be closed for episode 100, too. I guess that's true. We can't even plug it one more time. Emily, let's go to match number 11. 11. Jesus Christ. This is the weird cruiserweight thing. It's not even that weird. Who can tell you that? It's just a lot of guys. It's the Cruiserweight title, I guess you say tournament finals, it's just the title title match. It's like a battle royal. It is a, um, it's a six-pack challenge, but they give it some other weird name. So Wait, the what ba- is, sorry, it's a six-pack challenge? That's what WWE is named, a six-man match. There's a f- triple threat, I've fatal four-way. I've never heard that before. Yeah. That's a stupid name, if I'm honest. So, the actual match is Shannon Moore versus Crowbar versus Lash LaRue versus the artist forming artist Prince Iakea. Versus Juventud Guerrera versus Chris Candido. Okay. This is not helped by the fact that half of these people have valets that come out with them. And yes. it starts with Shannon Moore and Shane Helms. In doing, the ring. In the ring, doing part of a three count entrance and everyone else m- makes their entrance together. Yes. So you understand why it's confusing. You and, just established why it's fucking confusing. And then four men get on the apron, so they have to tag in to do finishes and spots and all that. So Shannon Moore is in the match, but Shane Helms is on the sideline. Crowbar is in the match, but David and Daphne are on the sideline. 
Um, Prince Ikea is in the match, but Paisley's on the sideline. And fucking who else? Well, if, if Psychosis was still here, he might come out he with He would totally be here with Hoovy. Oh, my God. It's just, it's overcrowded, and it's not clearly established by, like, a bracket. Who's in this match? Well, to be fair, you wouldn't need a bracket for this one, but a graphic would a be A graphic nice. would be great. Crowbar hits a Northern Lights suplex, and then a flipping vaulting leg drop. Lash tags in, hits a little shake, rattle, and roll. Daphne is suddenly here and sticking her tongue out to someone. She's also screeching a little. Lash goes for Whiplash 2000, but Hoovy counters and hits a Hoovy driver. Doesn't really try for the pin. Daphne dives in, hits a Frankensteiner. Hoovy ducks and she hits it on Crowbar by accident. Oh no, the one thing that didn't want to happen. Crowbar stops a Hoovy driver on Daphne and everyone starts diving to the floor, including Shane Helms launching Shannon Moore to the floor. And fucking professional Lash LaRue. I don't know whether they did the spot too quick or what. But Lash is the only one to see the spot coming and runs over to catch Shannon Moore. Which probably because, saved Shannon Moore a lot of problems. Yeah, because nobody was there. Yeah. Like, not a single soul. Good for Lash LaRue, man. The artist then tries for a superplex in the ring, and Candido tries for a diving headbutt but misses. The artist then tries for a paisley plant, but we get the debut of Tammy Lynn Sitch. What? She's out of jail. Tammy Lynn bitch? Different people. I know. Also, she's not out of jail. She's newly in jail. She throws the artist onto the chair, and Candido gets the win. So your new Cruiserweight champion, Chris Candido. Woo! Paisley then confronts the former Sonny after the match, and they catfight. Shannon Moore tries to stop Sonny, so she grabs him by the balls, and eventually this is all broken up. Daphne is not really in this catfight at all. No. Which, like, good for her. She doesn't need to be in a catfight. She's too good for this. Yes, she is. She can wrestle, it kind of seems like. She does not have a cat in this fight. Get it? No, Ernest Miller wasn't in this match. What are we talking about? Oh, I would have not been surprised if he came out and wanted to be part of this. Just starts dancing in the middle of the ring. No, I wouldn't be surprised if Bam Bam came out because he wanted to be part of everything tonight. It's the Cruiserweight title match. I don't know, man. Is he Samoa Joe in the X Division? <laughs> Bam Bam would find a way to be part of this. This match was a little too messy to be enjoyable, in my opinion. It was really hard to keep track of. Like, there's David Flair interference I didn't even note at some point. Yeah, he's just kind of there. Like, that's why it was, like, Shane Helms was just kind of there. David was just kind of there. Like, these guys that should also have been in this feasibly, they were just kind of standing on the sideline. And it was really kind of confusing to keep track of who was doing what at any given time. Also, I guess Crowbar's alive again after being killed by the wall. He was alive, like, the next week. I don't think it was the next week, but he might, you know, he might have been on Reboot Nitro. Maybe what it I was. thought he came right back. But anyway, a coked out Sonny debuting doesn't do much for me. No. When you get fired from ECW for drugs, I'm like, ooh. Right? It's got to be bad. So I can't imagine she's here long. I don't know about Candido, but I can't imagine she's here long. We'll see what they do with her, if anything. I don't know. It seems like cloudy days to me. <laughs> <laughs> bad joke. Tony Schiavone then hypes up Slambury for next month. Like, if you love what you're seeing, here's Let's some Let's do shit. it again next month. You might as well buy it now. <laughs> and get Mean Gene interviewing Jeff Jarrett. Jarrett warns Gene not to be a wise ass, and would you believe it? He's the chosen one. Why is everyone so mean to Mean Gene tonight? I don't know. They're just so Because he's just interviewing. Because everyone in the show is a heel. So everyone has to heel on Mean Gene. Everyone's just being so mean to him. He'll be the champion by the end of the night, and sure, yada, sure, yada. Sure, sure. Let's go to our tag team tournament finals. Are you exhausted yet? Because we're exhausted. We get Team Package versus Buff Bagwell and Shane Douglas. Lex comes out pre-stripped, cannot do the entrance again. No. Oh, I did not mention it in the first match with Team Luger, but Mark Madden is, you know, 
building on his healing of the crowd where he's like, I think we've seen the pose enough. Where in reality, that's just like making him a face in my heart because I'm fucking over the pose. Flair's still rocking street clothes. Vince Russo comes out with Shane Douglas wearing a Mets jersey. I'm like, pick a team, dude. His team is New York. He ends up joining commentary for this match. I don't remember anything he really said during this. I don't remember either. Buff offers a handshake to Lex and Lex shake it and kicks Buff. And I'm like, aren't you the face? I don't fucking know who's the face and who's the heel. Like I said, the face and heel dynamics don't matter because everyone's just assholes. Buff does his taunt. So Lex flexes at him and Buff literally cowers away. I'm like, what? I have muscles. <laughs> Douglas tags in, smashes Luger's head into a few turnbuckles. Press slam to Douglas and he bails to the floor. Lex tags in Flair and Flair starts beating down Shane Douglas. Noted Ric Flair hater Shane Douglas then begs off and pokes Flair in the eyes. <laughs> Got him. Back body drop from Buff and the heels start working over Flair. Douglas taunts Lex into distracting the ref so the heels can cheat. Flair hits a hard chop and both men are down after a collision. Flair manages to fuck up his turnbuckle spot, so they go to the corner and start a 10-punch spot with Shane Douglas going right into the camera. Fuck you, Flair! And commentary's just like, well, that says it all, doesn't it, folks? <laughs> then get the proper Flair turnbuckle spot and a clothesline into the floor. Build the hot tag to Lex and Buff. Lex cleans house, double knock knocker and a double clothesline. Flair locks in a figure four on Douglas as Buff low blows Lex. Buff accidentally hits a blockbuster on Shane Douglas, but Russo pulls the referee out of the ring on the pin. Russo and Nick Patrick then get into it as we get a re-debuting Brian Adams and Brian Clark. Oh, it's chronic. Oh, no. Oh, no. While we're watching this, you said, who are those? Oh, God, it's chronic. It's <laughs> <laughs> about right. <laughs> Just the realization hitting you. It was like, oh no. I've not seen Chronic in their original form. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they're any good here or are they just the same muscled up statues? I'm thinking that one. They double choke slam Lex. Russo strips Nick Patrick and kind of puts the ref shirt on yeah, to really count the pin. This up. Which, admittedly, you're relaxing the rules. Why did you need to attack the ref right. to, to like for you to count the pin? They can just count the pin now. Yeah. Also, shouldn't have been a DQ because someone attacked the ref. You're right. Vince Russo counts the pin for Buff and Shane Douglas. They are now the tag team champions. Woo! Don't you love them? <sighs> Go New Blood. This was a serviceable match. It wasn't? In, in ring quality, yeah. Just... It's among the better ones tonight, I thought. I don't know. I, I find it hard to praise anything that Shane Douglas and Buff do. I really hate them as a tag team. I think this is the best tag team match of the night. <laughs> The bar is so low. Yeah. I am curious to see Chronic in their original Are form. You? I mean, the only other match I've seen of theirs is a match so bad they got fired. So they can't yeah. be that bad. I mean, you don't know that. But yeah, Shane Douglas and Buff Bagwell. I don't. I remember when I was excited for Shane Douglas. That has passed. Yeah, no. I can't say that I'm excited for him. Let's go to Mean Gene for the last time tonight. He's here to interview Scott Steiner. Steiner puts over his body and downplays his new blood involvement. My this is the promo where I'm like, I don't think Steiner's actually new blood. He doesn't really seem to be in on the cause, but he also, I don't know. He doesn't seem to be new blood. doesn't seem to be millionaire. It just, he seems like Booker, like kind of over this whole thing. Yeah. Somebody who actually has potential and doesn't need, you know, office advantages. Exactly. He doesn't need a gimmicked push, really. So his match is the U.S. title tournament finals. It's Scott Steiner versus Sting and Steiner flirts with a woman mid-entrance. As he does. Oh, I lied. Gene's also here with Sting. 
And his makeup is rough. Yeah, Sting has lost like 90% of his paint at this point. You can't really call him a brother in paint anymore. The statement is his, his war with Vampiro. Sure. A war. That's a word for it. Sting says that Bischoff and Russo have themselves a war. Ah. And then says that Steiner is running from the Millionaire's Club and it's showtime. It's showtime, folks. Match starts. Sting tries to hype up the crowd, so Steiner tells them to go fuck themselves. Steiner beats down Sting in the corner, and Sting hits a drop kick into a, into a running Steiner, and then vaults onto him on the floor. Sting tries for a diving splash, but Steiner gets his knees up, and uh, Steiner struggles on a press slam, but manages to get him down quick, so doesn't injure him. So this man is gassed. Probably. Steiner's gassed. But it should also be noted that this is their third match tonight, like both of them, I think, right? Yeah. They have both put in a hell of a lot of work tonight, so I can't even really fault Scott Snyder for being gassed. I'd be tired, too. Yeah, I feel like since he's new blood, you should have had something screwy where he gets a bye. Yeah, but he's kind of not new blood. He doesn't know what he wants to be. Well, Bischoff and Russo think he's new blood. Yeah. The guys running the show think he's new blood, so. Flexing elbow drop and Snyder threatens the ref on a two count. Careful, you get might get DQ'd for that. Or not. Who knows? Probably not. T-bone suplex and Steiner goes to jaw with the crowd. Steiner puts Sting on the top rope and goes for a belly to belly. But Sting climbs down and, h- and hits a few running clotheslines. Stinger splash, but Steiner pulls the referee in the way of number two. And then we get Vampiro suddenly appearing <laughs> through the mat. Like, wait, what? You know that, that Batman meme? Just bonjour. <laughs> Vampiro goes full Undertaker and appears through the mat and there's like a hole. And he pulls Sting into the hole. The hole itself is about... One foot by two foot. It's, it's not tiny. big enough. No, no, no. He gets sucked down into it pretty easily. It's the return that is um, questionable. Yeah, so Sting then gets thrown out, quote unquote, bleeding. Like, it's not enough blood. No, they're like, oh, he's covered in blood. I'm like, it's like kind of smudged next to his mouth, kind of. Yeah, and, and the hole is very small, so it's they struggle. So tiny. Steiner then locks in the Steiner recliner and wins the title. Why do they need to bump the ref for that spot if it would have been fine? This match is um, worse upon second viewing. Yeah. I I liked this one at first. I thought it was kind of like nonsensical fun with the Vampiro spot. On second viewing, it's boring. It's gimmicked. It's tired. It doesn't help that normally when people do this spot, it's like they do it kind of by magic. And here they're like... How long was Vampiro hanging out under there? Like a loser? I mean, there is a, this isn't magic. There is no magic to this. It's just he cut a hole in the ring. This isn't yeah. magic. At least with The Undertaker, there is a little bit of mystique to it of like, how the yeah. fuck did you do that? But no. No, there's like, oh, Vampiro must have been hanging out there for a while. Yeah. And I'm like, I guess that's the way to continue their feud. Sure. So yeah, your new US champion, Scott Steiner, and we continue the Brothers in Paint feud. Literally, who cares? I just have such a hard time giving a shit about a lot of these feuds. Yeah. And the problem is they are so early in their, you know, in their life. We've only had literally two business days to process this whole new Nitro thing and the new blood, I guess, for lack of a better term. There's not been enough time for any of us to care. I don't know why both Vince Russo first Nitros are the show before pay-per-view. Yeah. Stop doing that. That's a bad plan. At commentary, Tony Schiavone is just kind of annoyed about tonight's chaos. I don't blame him. Which they basically have to just stall while he fix the ring. Well, yeah, there's a big ass hole in it and there's another match to come. Tony then throws to a uh, video package uh, pretty much just about Monday. Yeah, pretty much. Because they were like, oh, things that happened on Nitro and Thunder. Like, it's really just Nitro. Yeah. But it's time for our main event. Thank God. 
It's the WWE title tournament finals. It's Double J, Jeff Jarrett versus DDP, Diamond Dallas Page. And we get the extended entrances for this. We get, like, the walk through the arena. Cho-cho-chosen one. I'm saying, like, walking backstage. And oh, true. DDP has to, like, go find Kimberly as part of it. I should say, no Michael Buffer. I think Michael Buffer's done. Like, you got your check for Ready to Rumble. Can you blame him? I'm like, ooh, I don't think he's done. I think he has at least one or two more. Ugh. Match starts, CDP hits strikes early, including a discus clothesline. He hits an atomic drop and a jumping DDT. He dives to the floor on a Jarrett and then holds up Jarrett for Kimberly to slap. Really putting over the fact that it's like, no, I want to just fight this man. I don't really care about the match. Yeah, the match doesn't matter. I just want to brutalize this man. The two men then brawl into the crowd, and um, I don't know if they just didn't tell production or what, but they are not ready to film this spot. No. It's like security camera footage. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like like one camera high up, far away. It was it was definitely a weird shot. They I don't because usually they have a camera guy like right behind them, ready to follow them in. So maybe they just didn't. Maybe this was like on a whim. Well, they go over to like an area that has weapons. Is the other kind of weird thing? Ah, that's true. Because we finally get a camera kind of over there as DDP sips a beer and is low blowed. Did he like steal a beer from somebody? Is I think they happened? probably offered it because he's likable. I guess that's fair. Jeff Jarrett hits trash can shots and they head back to the ring. Jarrett hides behind Kimberly and suckers DDP. In the ring, they trade pin attempts, and, and DDP hits a big clothesline, but is crushed on the top rope. Jarrett hits a superplex, and then grabs a chair, and despite all the action tonight, Charles Robinson then tries to stop the chair shot, but was fine with the trash can shots at ringside. Yeah. Jeff Jarrett works over the back of DDP, and Jarrett hits a breadth rope axe handle to DDP's back, and then taunts the crowd a little bit. Page hits a back elbow, and both men are down. Page hits a sit-out powerbomb, and Eric Bischoff is suddenly in the aisle. I kind of almost feel like too early. Yeah, he's just kind of looming at the top. He's just staring down. It feels like he made his entrance too early. Especially because they like, brawl towards Bischoff, and he backs up. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, so it's almost like he's in the way. Like, I don't know. DDP ducks a ring bell shot, and Jeff Jarrett rips up Page's book at ringside. Wow. Page gets pulled crotch first into the ring post, but Kimberly stops second attempt. Jarrett tries for it again, but GDP counters, and GDP starts teeing off on Jarrett, and then pulls him crotch first into the ring post, too. Page signals for the diamond cutter, but the ref gets bumped. We get a belt shot to GDP, but he kicks out. What? Then we finally get Bischoff coming to ringside as Jarrett locks in the figure four, and we see that Kimberly has the guitar. <gasps> What's she going to do with that? GDP's in the figure four for quite a while here. Like, yeah, a little I too like long. Kimberly might have forgotten that it was her turn to do her thing. I mean, it's not her spot yet, but I'm wondering, like, do they want to give her time to go get the guitar or what? Because Paige finally gets to the ropes, how that spot ends, and then... Jarrett goes for it again, but Paige counters with a small package and then follows it up with his spinning Uranagi. Jarrett locks in his sleeper and Paige starts to fade, oh. but, but powers up and hits a sleeper slam as Eric Bischoff starts to distract the referee. And commentary's like, why is he doing this? So everybody kind of knows that it's not supposed to be distract the referee time because it's DQ, right? There's, there's too many elements of this. <laughs> Commentary is like, why is he stopping the ref right now? Right. This makes no sense of why he's doing this right now. Because he keeps distracting the ref as Paige hits a diamond cutter. So it's like, okay, that makes sense. She's like stopping the pin or whatever. But then Kimberly gets in the ring and it's like, oh, why is he stopping the ref now? Because the ref would see the interference. But outside interference is apparently fine. And they're letting the rules go. So we're at the point of the podcast where Nick is overthinking everything. Kimberly comes in with the guitar and wouldn't you know it, swerve, she hits DDP. 
the fact that Bischoff was distracted around for like five minutes made you kind of think something was going to oh, be up. Oh, yeah. Commentary actually says, she swerved him. Jared hits the stroke, pins DDP, and for the first time, your WCW champion, Double J, Jeff Jarrett. That doesn't sound right. I know, but it is. That sounds wrong. And then they kind of just like imply that Kimberly and Bischoff go off together. and Yeah, they try to explain the, the, the heel turn by, yeah. by saying, oh yeah, they're swingers. Yeah. And Tony's like, don't go there. No. So Kimberly and Eric are fucking, so. Some of the new blood come out to celebrate, and that's just generally the show. As dumb as this turn is, commentary screaming about how confused they are makes it worse. Yeah, I mean, but it's also validating. It's like, we're all kind of confused. The match itself was... Whatever. It was, it was fine. I'm, yeah, I'm so tired of Jeff Jarrett, and now he's the champion. Oh, you thought you were tired of Jeff Jarrett before. Yeah, just wait till there's stuff later. Ugh. But this show overall had way too much going on oh and God, not enough so going on. Much. So it was overbooked with matches, but not with star power. It felt like it was missing something. Yeah, I think just having so many, having the two tournaments hurt this. It was significantly overbooked with programming. And the fact that, any of the other stuff was on, at max, a six-day build. Right. So, yeah, it was hard to get invested in this show because it's just, all right, who's the champion going to be? And, look, I'm all for simple stories of, like, I want the belt, you have the belt. Give me but the belt, yeah. this is, no one have belt. We both want belt. It was too much. And doing it two full tournaments in one show is exhausting. Yeah. Not just for the wrestlers, but for the audience. And doing it with some guys that can't, do that many matches right. what was the story throughout either tournament give me belt and that's the problem there needs to be a through line through. i agree yeah the through line for the tag team tournament is shane douglas hates rick flair so let's that's both it? let's both have a match to see if we face each other that's it and the longer one didn't have much of anything right yeah not not a great pay-per-view and you know next next month there's some shit it can't be 14 matches though I don't know, man. But yeah, this was not all that long lengthwise or actual time-wise, but man, it just... It never stopped. It never felt like you were making progress. No. But... It was. It was exhausting. (laughs) Let's try to find some uh, silver and shit linings here. (laughs) Emily, it's time for best bit, worst bit, and MVP. Let's go! What is your best bit? Okay, so all of that being said... There were some good matches sprinkled in here, and there were some, like, shining moments, I guess. With 14 matches, at least one of them has to be good. You'd think. You would think. While I said that the Booker-Sting match is probably the best match on the card, I gave it to the hardcore match. Okay. <laughs> I get that. That is, a, that is a bit of fun. Terry Funk and Norman Smiley, it was a lot of fun to watch and a lot of fun to, like, play with. I enjoyed it. I, I laughed. It gave me a little bit of brevity in a daunting show. I am going to give mine to the Sting versus Booker match. Yeah, of course. In terms of in-ring work, it is far and away the best thing on the show. And, you know, managed to tell a little bit of a story. Yeah. Not a story I feel like they're going to continue. They're not going to continue, but it was still a good match. It had a clean finish. You're right, it had a clean finish. It was a good, respectable, no-nonsense match. Emily, what's your worst bit? There were 14 matches with no stories. None of these things matter. That being said, Man Cow vs. Jimmy Hart. 
Yeah, I think my expectations for that were just, you know, just like, just get it over with. I'm mad that it happened on this card. This card was over-fucking-booked. Why did we put a filler match on it? Emily, I think we get that again at some point. That's so stupid. The, the, okay, the idea of the match is not the problem. I don't care about a man-cow match. Like, that's fine. Whatever. Bring the celebrity and get a little celebrity pop. When you have 14 matches on a card, don't put a filler match. Uh, as tempting as a choice that is, I'm going to go with Shane Douglas and Buff Bagwell versus Harlem Heat 2000. Honestly, you could just sh say Shane Douglas and Buff Bagwell. Like I, uh, I know. That but was a team is fucking terrible. No, them versus Harlem Heat is a bad match. Abysmal. Yes, I agree. And at least Chicago cared a little bit about Man Cow. Yeah, it did have the hometown pop. It was just, it did not have a place on this card. And Emily, I feel like this one's a little obvious, but do you have an MVP? Probably Sting. Yeah, yeah. I think Sting. <laughs> put forth the best effort and you know kind of had to yeah. do three matches and he did his damn best yeah he carried his part of those matches during them yes definitely oh man we did it it's a complicated show it's a long show and now we have to uh do our special announcement surprise so emily let, before we announce the announcement let's talk about how you got to the point of needing to make this announcement let me just bury myself here real quick. So over on the Patreon, I get to pick all of the shows that go on over there. I decided when I when we made this Patreon that I was going to do fun, fluffy, faff. Like Legends House is the perfect example of what I wanted the programming to be over there. Funny, silly, a break from WCW basically. So we were doing the show every month and we needed to have one for December. And Nick suggested December to December. And it's casually slipping in. Oh no, no, it's still Nick's fault. It wasn't even your fault because you mentioned like there is a there is a pay-per-view that takes place in December. It's this. Here it's it's an option. It's it's out there in the world. So I took it, I see I molded over, I tried to find anything else that was Christmas themed. And then I got busy. Work got busy. And I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. The whole plot of this Patreon is vibes. This is a vibe. Let's go. Let's just let's just do it. Let's not overthink it. Let's just do it. I should have thought about it a little more. <laughs> I should not have let the vibes go. So we talked about it a little bit and decided that a through line of programming might be called for. So we're not fully relying on vibes. <laughs> there is still going to be a little bit of faff and a little bit of fun here and there. But there is going to be a through line of content exclusively on our Patreon. Emily. What seats in the butts doing in the impact zone? <laughs> that through line of content? Go to TNA, baby. It's the new Monday Night Wars. Well, we're starting off January 4th with the debut of Hulk Hogan oh. and Eric Bischoff. You're like, I want to break WCW. No, you don't fucking get it. <laughs> we're getting the band back together. So that is on its way to you. The first episode of the Patreon is going to be out in a few weeks. If you would like to join up there is still time we will promote it on our socials as well that's what's happening over on the patreon now while that is the through line of content like i said there will be other things there will be movies there will be reality shows there will be fun and faff mixed in with tna additionally we're going to be actually upping the amount of content over there we are to once every three weeks supposed to once a month yes so it's one of those where we wanted to do the new monday night wars and we went that's gonna take way too long if we just do it once a month so Let's speed this wagon up. So yeah, we're going to be doing the January 4th 
2010 TNA Impact. After that, Emily has decided for some reason we're going to be doing the Marine. Like I said, we're doing, we're reviving a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> what after that, I get my specialty pick, and I admittedly I'm learning how hard the vibes are because I'm like, fuck, what do I pick? Right? It's not easy. And then after that will likely be the runner-up for episode 100. We will be announcing what the episode 100 episode will be at the end of episode 99. Yes. So you still have a couple episodes before of the mainline podcast to hear what that episode's going to be. So at time of recording this podcast, we'll know what that show is. Oh yeah, we'll know by episode 97. Yeah. Which is exciting. We've got some banger options up over there. So if you want to hear us cross the line, you can follow us on Patreon, Butts the Seats Podcast. $5 a month gets you all those bonus episodes. We got a decent plethora over there. At this point, yeah. Yeah, we got the whole year pretty much mapped out at this point. I know, I'm excited. Let's listen to all of our back catalog on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, Deezer, and iHeartRadio. And you can follow us on social media at Butts in the Pod and on Facebook, Butts in the Seats Podcast. Emily, we, we're running out of time before uh, David Arquette as well, we should note. Oh, Lordy. We got this a lot is, going on here. This is going to be a hell of a year for the Butts in the Seeds podcast. A hell of three months. True. It's going to be a hell of a year one way or the other. At least we get to end it with uh, Bash at the Beach 2000. What could go Woo! wrong? I've only heard good things. <laughs> but until our next episode here or our first TNA episode, I'm Nick. I'm Emily. And thanks for listening to the Butts in the Seeds podcast. Happy New Year. Bye.